Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Creekwood is growing and we are so excited about the Future West Campus. If you're interested in learning more about the building project, visit creekwoodchurch.com beyond or click the Beyond button on the Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Amen, amen. Well, we are excited. You know, last weekend, Pastor Brad started our Christmas series, and uh, what a phenomenal message. I want to encourage you to, if you were not here, go back and listen to it. It was an incredible message on joy, and I'm excited today about uh, sharing about the Christmas story also. But I, I do want to mention a couple things to you. One is you should have um, ha- you should have a card just like this. Grab it real quick and um, Everybody should have a card on your seat or next to you. And let me just say this about this card. This card is not an informational card. It's not so you can see like that we're having a Christmas service. It's, this is an invitation. And I want to encourage you to take this card, pray over it, and ask God, God, who should I invite to our Christmas services? And... Um, Go out of your way to, to follow through with their, the invitation. Encourage them to come out. It's an incredible family service. Candyland is amazing. And uh, we have a, a Christmas um, service that, that is, is, is going to be, I believe, one of the best that we've ever had. So I want to encourage you to, to be sure to invite people. Also, if you're new here at Creekwood, we do ticketing and basically just to explain ticketing. Ticketing, uh, we don't charge for these tickets. It's just a way for you to reserve uh, a place and service. We really value you having a great experience when you show up here on, on Christmas. And if we don't do ticketing, everybody shows up at the same service and then it's chaos. And uh, so you can go online, reserve your ticket for you and your family. Or if you've got friends that are coming, be sure you let them know to go online and reserve them. The last I heard this morning is that 2,430 people have reserved a ticket. And what does that mean if you've not reserved your ticket? That means you need to pray and uh, go get a ticket, reserve tickets. It, it's, it's, again, going to be a, a lot of fun um, celebrating the birth of Jesus. Also, before I teach today, one more thing. Um, I want to pray in just a few moments. Uh, I really want us to pray for the, the families in Kentucky. You've probably seen the news and over 70 people have died. And we're going to pray for their families in just a few moments. But um, I want to thank you as your pastor for your generosity. Uh, I know Pastor Brad talked about Angel Tree. You guys just are so incredibly generous. And um, do you know that this year, 200 and a little bit more than $260,000 through your generosity, were we able to just give it out to people and give it to um, uh, ministries and missions like Mansfield Mission that we partner with. We partner with a lot of international ministries and a lot of organizations, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, a lot of places around the world that we get to partner with and get to help people here, even in Mansfield. And we could not do that without your generosity. So thank you for your generosity. Uh, you know, um, you've heard me talk about our West Campus and, and we're excited. I'm praying and believing that the first part of this next year, we're, somehow we're gonna be breaking ground. Uh, COVID has kind of like slowed everything down, but I'm so glad God's timing, God knows what he's doing. And, but we could not be moving forward with 
this new campus for us and be able to take care of your kids and all the things that we want to do in this new campus without your generosity. So thank you so much for your faithful giving. We, it, it's making a huge difference. So I want us to pray. And uh, again, uh, one of the, the just, I, I know so many of you have been able to watch the news and see how heartbreaking it is to see all the people that have been affected by this, this tornado that, that's hit Kentucky. So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, God, that you're here. And God, I just pray that, God, you would uh, comfort those that have lost loved ones, God, in Kentucky. And God, uh, um, this tornado that's hit and so many people are hurt. I pray for the first responders. I pray for, God, just the family members today, God. Would you be with them this morning, God? Would you touch them? God, move in their hearts. And Lord, I just pray over these next few moments as we look at your word, may we be receptive. God, may we open our hearts, God, to you. And everyone said, amen. Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one, verse 18 is where we're going to start. We are going to look at Matthew's account of the Christmas story. You know, it's, it's very easy, and one of the, it's very easy to look at the Christmas story, and I am almost 100% positive, confident today that every single one of you at one time or another, you've either read it or you've heard about the Christmas story, and it's very easy to look at the Christmas story as some cute, nice little story that um, every time, you know, around this time of the year, December, we break it out. We don't really read about it throughout the year, but at Christmas time, we're going to break it out and we're going to read about a nice, cute little story and our emotions kind of go racing to our childhood days. And it's just kind of like you see baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and you see the little manger and it's a cute little story. And the challenge as a pastor is to communicate and connect you to this story in a way that um, you look at it and see it with fresh eyes and fresh ears and um, with an open heart today to receive because there is so much to learn and for God to reveal himself through the Christmas story. And so I think it's important to push back the romantic side of the Christmas story and really say, I want to look at it in an in-depth way. And God, would you speak to me in a deep way into my soul and let me be receptive to this? And Matthew's, Matthew's way of presenting this today, it's, it's really interesting. So we're going to look at it and let's look at it today. Um, Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His, ma- his mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind... <clears throat> to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because 
what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. You know, it's really, <clears throat> as I said, it's when you look at the Christmas story and you, you begin to see it, like even the, the, the way Matthew present, presents it, again, for a lot of us, we just kind of, we look at, at the Christmas story and it just kind of feels ordinary. And it feels um, like, well, it's expected and we're reading this nice little story and you, you know, your, your memories automatically think of that, you know, you think there's a lot of parts to the Christmas story. There's like in our culture, we're like, yeah, there's Jesus, there's Rudolph, there's Mary and Joseph, there's Santa Claus, and there's the snow monster, and there's the Grinch, and there's the wise men, and, and um, that's the, the little story. But when you look at the way each writer of the Gospels presents the Christmas story, Matthew presents it in a unique way. I don't know if you noticed this, but he started this by saying this is how the birth of Jesus came about. Like it was easy. He's like, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. It, it's, in other words, this is how it happened. In other words, this is how God rolled it out. He just kind of like, you know... Uh, it just, you know, this is how it happened. And it just, you know, God weaved it into their everyday life. And this is how it happened. And I'm telling you this because there's, there's some truth to that. So you got to kind of set aside Rudolph and Santa Claus and all that stuff because it's not a part of the Christmas story. We love to have fun with all that stuff, but when you really look at it and then the way Matthew tells it in the purest form, he says, this is how it happened. And it's almost like Joseph, Mary, I mean, Matthew is telling us that this was just something that just kind of happened and, and, and it just was this nice, convenient, cute story. And it's this that God just kind of weaved his plan into Joseph and Mary's life. They're going along and it just kind of happens. And isn't it true that a lot of us, we want to have an encounter with God that isn't much of an encounter. We want God just to kind of weave his, his plan into our plans. And it's kind of like we're going along and we're all, God is good. And I love Creekwood and I'm here and I feel good. And I'm like, Everything's going great and God's going to kind of weave his story and his plan into my life. And this is how a lot of us are when it comes to God. We, 
We hope we can have a relationship with God that doesn't really disturb our life schedule. We want to have an encounter, an encounter with God without really having much of an encounter. We kind of fantasize and romanticize that this is kind of how the Christmas story was, but it's not that way. Any people here that schedules are big for you, like you want to be on schedule, raise your hand. Like you don't like it when people get you off schedule and and you want to control your life, control your schedule. And this happened to me. I, 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 I like a little chaos, but I do like to, to know what's going to happen. And we're kind of, I, I got my plans. And this week I got in a wreck, car wreck, and uh, <laughs> rear-ended somebody. Don't tell my wife. Uh, uh, <laughs> she's been on me all the time about my driving. And I'm like, babe, I, drew, I learned how to drive in South America. At 13 years old, we didn't have to have a driver's license. And we just learned how to drive. And you drive as fast as you can. And, and, and you know, I hit the lady in the butt. And I was like, oh, man. And... She pulled out, and, and if you're here today, I love you. You're a wonderful lady. Uh, <laughs> pulled out. There's not really a car coming. She stopped in the middle of the road and, like, got out, and she's like, sorry, I stopped. And I'm like, well, I, I know if you hit somebody, it's your fault, you know, in the back especially. Um, so I went to the, get my car fixed, and I thought in my mind, that like, I, in other words, okay, my car's wrecked. I want to go get it fixed. And so I go to the, to the place that fixed your car and um, go in there. And I'm like, y'all look at my car, do an estimate. And like, but I need to get it back in a couple days. And she's looking at it, marking it up with the marker, writing it all up, taking all these pictures, getting in my car. And she's like, I want to tell you something so you don't get mad later. She said, your car may be here for two and a half months. And I'd already taken my key off and I thought, you know, they're going to bring me a cool rent, rental car and I, it's like all good. And, and, and I was excited and I heard two and a half months and I'm like, no, I told her, give me my car back. And I didn't take, I didn't leave my car there and it messed up my, like, I was like, this is going to mess up my schedule. I don't want to be in a rental car like for two and a half months. I want my car. And so I left and but it messed up my schedule. Now, God was with me because I ran to Kennedale to the salvage yards. How many of y'all have ever been over there? It's like heaven. <laughs> Apache salvage yard, all these like salvage yards, you can get lost in it. And I ran over there. I went to two salvage yards and they told me it's going to take two and a half months because of COVID. And everybody says that's COVID's fault that you can't anything, you know, nothing can happen. But I went over there and like two salvage yards, I found a headlight and a, and a bumper and like, I'm going to get my car fixed. Now I got to drive around with a bumper in my back of my car, but I'm doing good. <laughs> but it messed up my schedule and we don't like that. We got a schedule and we even like, isn't it true that even like when you have to make a commitment with somebody, somebody asked you out to go and you're kind of like, I'm trying to control my schedule. Isn't it true that, isn't it true that we like even like, we'll even cancel on people. 
They've got big old plans. We're supposed to go to a game, go into a concert, wherever, and then just out of nowhere. Don't you hate it when people go, hey, I can't go, and they make up some kind of like fake crisis? <laughs> and you're like, dude, we were gonna do this, and now you're canceling on me. What would it look like in your life? And we love to... to protect our schedule, control our schedule. We love to even cancel to protect our schedule. But what would it look like in your life if, if you didn't have the option to cancel? How would your life be rearranged if you did not have the option to cancel? See, this story, the Christmas story, the way Matthew starts to unwrap it for us is that he actually starts to show us the reality of how God works in our life. See, Christmas shows us that God is a God that disrupts our lives. God is disruptive. I mean, you think about the way the Christmas story, it's not perfect timing. The way it plays out, Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married and she's got plans. She's already planning the wedding out. She picked the dress. They're excited about it. And you know, if you know somebody that's engaged and, and they're, even in this culture, it was a whole nother level to be engaged to somebody, be engaged to somebody. The, the wheels are turning and it's not good timing that now she's pregnant before they've gotten married. It's not good timing for Mary, but it's also not good timing for Joseph because Joseph could have, good timing for him would have been, God, why don't you do your little, like the Holy Spirit thing and the virgin birth? Why don't you do that without me being engaged? Do that all, I wanna like, I'm opting out of this one. I'm tapping out of this one. It would have been easy for him to tap out and to opt out it's disruptive the way God does it in this story. And Christmas shows us that God is disruptive. And we love in our, in our culture, we love schedules, we love God working in our plans we don't want God's bad timing. But I've learned that God has a habit in the way that he works most of the time. It's not good timing for us because we have our own plans and we've, we're kind of trying to work it all out. And, and, and then we're like, we, what we really want is God to come and go, what do you think about doing this? And we don't want to be disruptive. We have our plans and isn't it true like you think about even how 
Isn't it beautiful when you kind of know what you're going to do in the future, in the next month or six months or in a year, and, or, or you're going to get married or you're going to go do this, whatever it is that you're going to do, and you're going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start a business, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And you kind of look at that part of your life as untouchable. And God comes along and he disrupts it. This is what the Christmas story is all about, that God disrupts their lives with this. I know maybe you've thought that what you need to pray for is that, God, I just want an easy life. But that's not the way God works. Right when you think you got it all together and you got it all planned and it's all perfect, God comes along and he disrupts everything. And you're like, God, why is this happening? God, why are you doing it like this? God, this, you're like, God, work with me now. Let's work together on a team and I've got a plan and I'm trying to work on this. And God comes along and he disrupts it. it this story is fascinating to me. God does this right before they're supposed to be married. It's awful timing. But see, the call of God, it's, it's going to be disruptive in your life. The encounters that you are going to have with God, they are going to disrupt you. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be so disruptive that it is going to have a way of changing everything that you value. It's going to have a way of changing your priorities in your life because all of a sudden you're like, I was going along and God disrupted everything in my life. He blew it up. It's almost as if God doesn't care about how this is going to impact Mary. I've never been pregnant, and I want to, like, I can't care how I say that. Oh, you got to fix my mind. Um, I've never been pregnant. Uh, but preg pregnancy is disruptive, right? It's disruptive in a lots of ways. It's disruptive, ladies, to your figure. It's disruptive to a lot, in a lot of things. Um, but you remember, those of you that have kids, life before kids? Like, <laughs> Richard, your wife just gave you a really dirty look. Uh, um, you know, you got to eat with adults. You had uninter uninterrupted conversations. You loved, you, you got to be right. Now you have kids, you never get to be right. But a normal pregnancy is disruptive. A virgin, virgin birth is more, way more disruptive. And I'm just, I'm just kind of, like, I don't know, the Holy Spirit has just been so speaking to me about this to understand that God is a disruptive God and I better just accept it. That it is the way our God, it is the very nature of our God to be disruptive in our life that we kind of go along and we have our plans and God comes along and he disrupts everything. God is inconvenient. 
It's inconvenient. You think about how inconvenient that first Christmas was. Like if we were telling the story or we would have put it together, I'm sure we would have done it differently. We would have been going, it's the savior of the world. It's King, it's baby Jesus. He's going to be born at the Risk Carlton somewhere. I don't know. And God's not even thinking La Quinta or Marriott, Comfort Inn. He's not even thinking any of that. It's like he didn't even make plans for it. And they show up and there's no place for them to stay. Um, I just, I mean, I start unraveling this story and I think of, man, this is so inconvenient. It's so inconvenient for Joseph. And it, it just, it fights our nature. We push back on it and, and, and we were like, God, we're trying to have Christmas and you need to get out of our way. We're trying to have Christmas and Jesus is in the way because we got plans and we're, we got things to do and, and God comes along and he dis, disrupts everything and it's inconvenient and, and all of a sudden now you're like, God, you disrupted my heart. I can't sleep at night and now it's, you put in my heart to go help somebody. And it's going to be so inconvenient for me to, to go take care of somebody or to call them or invite them over. to Maybe you got a neighbor that, that you're like, man, they're a little weird. Or some of you are dreading some of your family members coming for Christmas. And you are like, this is going to disrupt our Christmas. And it's so inconvenient. What if you were to look at it to say, God, you're disrupting my little perfect little romantic picture of Christmas because, and you are gonna inconvenience me with my family coming over and, and these people coming over. But Jesus, I wanna be in the center of where you're at. I look at this and... Um, Verse 20, it says, but after he had considered this, see, Joseph, back up a minute and see something here. Joseph actually believed Mary uh, was lying about being pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So he was actually going to divorce her, and I'll show you that in just a few moments. But he says, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't you love when God calls you like, by your, you know, full, you know, like your name. It's like, it's like Stephen Lynn Nutt. You better listen right now. It's Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. He's actually speaking into his fears. He says, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. I know, I know you're worried about what people are going to say about you. I know you're worried about how it's going to inconvenience you and you're worried about what everybody else is going to be talking about, but you don't be afraid to, to do what I'm telling you to do. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And this, this moment, if you want to stop right there, this is actually a transitional phrase. The first part where Matthew said this is how it happened, he's telling us how, how, what God did. Now it's telling us what Joseph did. Actually, it shows us that God expects a response. God expects a response. It says, when Joseph woke up, and some of us need to wake up. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. You know, one of the things that, again, um, that stood out to me so much in, is that Joseph was such a noble man. Because you look at before God actually spoke to him about this, it says that he, in verse 19, it says that, that um, he yet did not want to expose her publicly, her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And, and I love that nobility about him because we live in a culture that, that loves to humiliate people as much as possible. And Joseph here is, is in a, at a moment that he's like, man, I, I, I'm out, God. I'm tapping out. I, I, I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm not going to embarrass her, but I don't want to be a part of this. God speaks to him and, it, and he responds. And, and listen to me, a listening heart obeys even when it doesn't understand. And it says, Joseph woke up and he did what, what was commanded him. And, you know, this word commanded, we, we don't like it in our culture. We don't like it when people command, command us to do things, but we sure don't like it when God commands us to do things. And most of us operate when it comes to God. We, we don't want God commanding us to do anything. We want God suggesting things to us. We want God to come along and say, um, what do you think about this? You want to do this? How do you feel about this? And, and um, we want God to just kind of like, well, well, you want to do this or don't you want to do this? Um, do you want to help these people or not? Or, or would you rather go buy a new TV? What are you thinking? Do you want to go, do, do you want to like make a difference in, in somebody's life? And, or, or what are you thinking? This is how we want God to operate with us. It's kind of like, you know, I've been married uh, a little bit over 30 years, hanging out with my wife, 32 now, and I've learned some things that, you know, if my wife asks me, where do you want to go eat? Usually she already knows where we're going to go eat. <laughs> you know, or, or what are you hungry for today? It, it's like, I know well, and if you're just, just got married, listen to me, this is a lot of wisdom here. Men, listen to me. They already know, and, and, and your job is to discover what they already want. <laughs> and she'll ask me, where do you want to go eat? And I'm like, like sometimes I have a weak moment, and I'll, and I'll forget that she already knows where we're going. And I'll say, well, why don't we go eat sushi? Well, she hates sushi. It's like, well, keep thinking. Now, it's just wherever you want to go. 
And I'm like, well, let's go eat Thai food. No, not, not Thai food, but babe, wherever you want to go, we're going. How about Chinese or Italian? No, just like, listen, Stephen, wherever you want to go, we're going to go. Let's just go there. And I'm going, well, Chick-fil-A. Well, is that really where you want to go? And I discovered what I really wanted deep in my heart that it was Chick-fil-A. I didn't know that. And we want God to be that way with us. That we're like, God, I already know what I want. And would you just kind of ask me a bunch of questions? Listen, there are going to be moments that God's going to disrupt your life. It's going to be so inconvenient. And God's going to give you a word. He's going to command you to do something that is going to be so inconvenient. Do you know what? I've never found giving to be convenient. It's always disruptive. It's always requires a sacrifice, but it's disruptive. It's inconvenient, but God commands me. There are moments that God says, you need to help that person. You need to do something for that person. You need to drop what you're doing and you need to go help them. What is it in your life that God is trying and you're like, it's not convenient, hold on, time out, God. And we're like, we want to cancel on God because we're like, God, I know you said this, but I think I'm going to cancel on this appointment that you're wanting me to have with you. But God, would you keep thinking? Because I like the way you're thinking and I love you and I want to worship you, but we need to kind of work together because I got a plan and I don't want it inconvenienced. And sometimes, I'm just going to tell you, God is going to do something that is going to be out of your control. There are going to be things that are going to happen that you're going to go, God, I was trying to control this and I was trying to do all of this. And what if we stopped fighting it and we got to a place that we said, God, this is disruptive, it's inconvenience, but I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. You know, Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus. She was kind of a given that she was going to be there at the birth of Jesus. That's deep. <laughs> she, she's pregnant. She's got to be there when the baby born is born, right? <laughs> Work with me. Uh, Joseph had an option. Joseph could have made the decision to say, I don't, I'm not going to be there when the baby's born. But he was there. We don't know a lot about Joseph. But one thing we know about Joseph is that he listened to God. And you watch his life and over and over that God said, you need to marry her. God said, you need to leave Bethlehem because the baby, like, can you imagine? He's like, God, work with me. I married, I, I trusted you so much. I married Mary and this is a virgin birth. And now you're telling me the baby's gonna be, somebody's trying to kill him and I need to try to get the baby. I need to get Mary and, and the baby and the donkey and everybody together and we gotta get out of town. And we got to run off and then we got to move here. Watch, go read the detail. 
God was constantly disrupting and moving and it was always inconvenient. This Christmas, I want you to be where Jesus is. It's gonna be disruptive, it's gonna be inconvenient, but you can be where Jesus is if you will listen to what he's saying to you and step into that moment. Step into that moment with your weird relative. Step into that moment with the neighbor, the person, the coworker. Listen, you think you, your job is just your job? God's divinely placed you there. God's divinely put you in your neighborhood. God's divinely given you the friends that you have because God's counting on you letting yourself be disruptive enough to say, I got time. I will be there, God. You give me the words. I wanna pray for you today and I wanna ask you to bow your heads and You know, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life. Man, I want you to know how much God loves you. He cares about you. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. doesn't matter what you've done in your life. The Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. It also says that if, if we confess it, for God, God forgives us. And right there at your seat, you can receive Christ into your life. Pray that prayer and just say, Jesus, man, you know what I've done. You know my sins. I confess them to you. I ask you to be my, my, my father, my savior. I give up trying to run my life today. I receive you into my life. Father, thank you for those that are making this decision today. Thank you, God, for your voice in our life. Thank you, God, that you love us enough to disrupt our lives. You love us enough to inconvenience us. And God, you love us enough to, to say, I want you to, to work with me to respond to what I'm saying to you, God. Father, we thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like the content of this podcast, you're gonna love our YouTube channel. Subscribe at youtube.com slash creekwoodchurch for video messages and full services uploaded weekly.